Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC. This episode is a Pillar and Ground questions episode where we seek to provide biblical perspective for today's pressing questions. And today we're joined by Caroline Scruggs, our Women's Discipleship Director. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Glad you're here. She also serves on our ministry uh, leadership team with the pastors and and Julie Dean. And uh, we are delighted you're here. This question is is... When you think of today's pressing questions, a lot of times we think of something maybe culturally that we're addressing or um, something out there that's a hot topic. But this is really a growth in grace. How do you uh, learn? How do you grow as a disciple of Jesus question? And the question was submitted to us, and it's this. How do we dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon his beauty? How do we do that regularly? amidst all the distractions and burdens in our lives and in our world. And so that's the big question. And to, to really answer that, we'll be asking all sorts of other ones. But first of all, it might be helpful just to read um, the entirety of that Psalm 27.4 and then consider the context and the psalm and and just talk a little bit about that verse in its original meaning before we seek to apply it. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Mm. So you hear that, and then there's many verses around it in that particular psalm. But what is the context in that psalm in which those verses are being, that one thing's being asked? Sure. David is um, talking about 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And then he goes on to describe the evildoers that assail yeah. him and the armies, literal armies that are encamping against him. So all the danger that he's in mm-hmm. uh, physically, but likely emotionally and spiritually um, as well. Yeah. And so the question asked, how do we do that regularly amidst all the distractions and burdens in our lives and world? So what I hear is David's not asking for that removed from the burdens of the world or the distractions of the world. He's right in the middle of it um, right. asking for that. And so for him, that meant going to an actual temple. Um, and yet for us, how does the singular desire to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, how does that apply to us? Yes, I think it happens frequently when we come to corporate worship, that that is a place that we are collectively as God's people with one another gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, but so many other ways that we do that in private communion with God, just putting who God is and how he is at work in the world constantly Mm -hmm. and continually before our gaze, the gaze of our hearts and minds. Yeah, and we often, um, I've heard the phrase used, glance gaze Mm -hmm. Uh, we often glance at god and gaze at our world and our sin versus gazing at jesus and and taking a good glance at our sin but but not being uh enamored with all the things around us and to do that you know the practical concerted ways that we can personally gaze upon the beauty of the lord even when you think about personal communion with god personal uh, devotion with god what are some practical things that, that you might offer to people? Maybe it's from your own life. Maybe it's things you've tried and done and, and now you do other things. 
that might serve them to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord one-on-one with Jesus? Sure. I think finding ways to be have God's word before us all mm-hmm. the time. One thing that I have found that has been so helpful in the midst of all the busyness, the quiet to get my own mind quiet is so difficult mm-hmm. in the midst mm-hmm. of distractions or have three kids at home and mm-hmm. it's hard to find the quiet. So I've actually really benefited lately from having God's word spoken over yes. me yeah. and have found the Bible app that will read it to me in mm-hmm. a variety of different dialects and versions. And it's been so helpful yeah. just to have God's word spoken over me in a different way and to read it along as somebody reads it to me. Yeah. It's been a really encouraging and kind of new way for me to engage scripture and have who God is. And how do you decide what you're listening to or reading in the scripture? Do you have a plan you follow or do you? I have tried. I have found it helpful. I can be really scattered. So I have found it helpful <laughs> to have a plan of yeah. what I'm reading. And it helps me to diligently get in parts of the scripture that I might not always choose to be in. So lately I chose a chronological plan that just takes me through the Bible chronologically. And Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in a hard season when I was in numbers and it was not the place I would have chosen, but the things I do discern about God's character and who he is and gaze upon his beauty in a different way than I do when I'm sitting in the gospels is it's sometimes a harder discipline, but good and a worthy discipline. Yeah, I just marched through the first half of First Chronicles. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of names. And the Bible app did help me because I could hear that and listen and, and, and get along uh, through it. And I have found the same thing. Listening to the Word of God is an entirely different experience than reading the Word of God. And we're in a time technologically where we have the ability for somebody to read the Word over us in a push of a button. And it is a totally different experience uh, than reading it. It's fascinating to think about how though for hundreds of years, that was the only way people heard God's word was that someone read it over you. So to have it, our own several copies belonging to us is a relatively modern privilege that we have. That's right. Um, That's a very good point. Other so the Bible app, do you have other, any like devotional things that you enjoy or are there other ways that you bring the beauty of the Lord to bear in your personal walk sure. with God or things you've heard others? Like you may yeah. say, I tried that. What It wasn't me, <laughs> uh-huh. but it worked for some other people I know. Yes. Two things that have been really beneficial. I love music, just constantly yes. playing. And so um, hymns have ministered to me mm-hmm. greatly. Um, there are some musicians that have put just straight scripture to mm-hmm. music lately. Mm-hmm. John Mark and I found a band called The Corner Room. I think he's in Birmingham somewhere, yeah. but they put its music just scripture straight to music and that has been just so encouraging and even fun for my kids i don't realize how much they're picking up as it plays in my home or in my car but i'll hear my little five-year-old singing something Mm -hmm. that he's picks up that's truth about who god is and how he's at work in the world through music so that has been something that has been really beneficial in my own life and then i think the other thing that one thing that has been um 
really encouraging to me too is those volumes of ev- the every moment holy yes. volumes and yes. have they take if you're not familiar with them they're liturgies for everyday yes. life and so they'll take yeah. very normal things that you might be doing like changing diapers or hosting a meal for people or yeah. putting up your Christmas tree and talking about how we see God and are present with the Lord in those everyday moments and I think particularly as a mom with three kids you know when I was a teenager I would spend so I had time to sit for hours and get up and journal or and now life seems so busy and scattered and so they've guided me in how to see God in those everyday normal Mm -hmm. moments and you think about gazing upon the beauty of the Lord this sort of intentional throughout my day how do I learn to gaze upon who God is as I wash my dishes and change diapers and the other things we do so those every moment holy uh, resources. There's two volumes, and they're they're wonderful. And I, I have an app, the Every Moment Holy app, and I subscribe to it there, and I can pull it right up. And they have these mini liturgies. They're really quick. <laughs> uh, in this volume two, I think, like it's just been very helpful. I couldn't agree more. I think written prayers, guided prayers, to put words to me, and then get those words in me. Uh, we have a lot of prayer resources at LMPC on our on our website. Written prayers that we've written through the you want to pray through the fruit of the spirit. You want to pray through the I am statements. You want to pray through the Apostles Creed. You want to pray for people's vocations. Uh, those resources are really helpful because sometimes it's hard to start praying. Mm-hmm. They help me start praying, and then I can actually like start praying just spontaneously. Right. So, I don't know if that's your experience with yes, those prayers. Yes, I found, especially in seasons where you feel kind of dry and distant for someone else to give you mm-hmm. the words and guide you into communion with the Lord is yeah. really helpful. Yeah. And there's something, I mean, we were made for community. And so even personal one-on-one relationship with God, to rely on community there is not a bad thing. To rely on other people written their prayers or to rely on a commentary as you're studying a Bible. Uh, you know, the me and my Bible is not really uh, indicative of what we believe about needing one another. Sure. So, but we do need to be with our Bible alone. But I also, you know, you mentioned music. It was Corner Room. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's, I agree, uh, on my sabbatical. I don't know if you've heard of poor Bishop Hooper. Yes, I think I have. Hank Curran maybe is the one that introduced us to him. You know, and everybody listening may not like the style of their music, but as a husband and wife who committed to a psalm project of putting every psalm to (laughs) song. And they try to match the genre of the psalm with the style of the music. And it's um, one of the things I did on sabbatical. I I would read, start on that week on Monday, I'd read the psalm, I'd listen to the psalm. And then throughout the week, I just listened to that psalm every day, Mm. that song. And by the time that week was over, that psalm had really kind of gotten inside of me. Now you may say there's 150, we got a little ways to go, but (laughs) meditating, chewing the psalm one, you know, meditating on the word of God day and night. We have so many ways to do that. Uh, that's the good of technology sure. in some way. So, um, also, you know, the Bible reading plan, uh, I'm, I think that's a really helpful thing. I think a lot of people don't do it cause they get behind. Don't worry about that. If it takes you a year and a half. It's a good year and a half. Right. <laughs> uh, who cares about staying on track? Uh, it's a goal. Um, Kendra and I are reading not 
together, but the same plan. And so if we are at the same path, uh, the conversations we're able to have about the Bible and our kids listen in is also a, a really rich thing. Um, so that's a lot about personal communion with God, but, and in our philosophy of ministry, we call it the candle, uh, one-on-one fellowship with God. You mentioned already corporate worship and then the bonfire, the campfire, Sunday school, Bible studies, small groups. How do those increase our gaze as well? Or another way of putting it, can we really gaze upon the beauty of the Lord with just personal communion? Personal communion may not allow us to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord as fully as we can in community with others. I think it was maybe C.S. Lewis that talks about if if we're friends, I only know one part experience one part of you, but then I might see a whole nother part that another friend brings out. And I think it's similar in our communion and our relationship with the Lord that somebody else who I sit next to in a small group or in a Bible study may help me to see who God is in a different Mm -hmm. way or help Mm -hmm. me to remember. I'm just so forgetful, I think, in Mm -hmm. my own experience or may know the beauty of God for you, but it's hard to see it from my own struggles Mm -hmm. or my own sin patterns or my own shame. And so needing somebody else to speak into that where I can't Mm -hmm. see it for myself or I can't remember for myself. Yeah. And, um, and then in the weekly worship that there's really something significant that happens when the preached word goes forth. Um, the Holy spirit particularly applies that word to his people mm-hmm. in a way that no preacher can do. And and it does that in teaching and Bible studies that people may say, well, man, you thank you. You've been reading my mail or I really need that. <laughs> You're like, no, I haven't. And, uh, God really meets us personally, uh, through the proclaimed preach taught word. Sure. And, um, you know, the, we, you mentioned some as we go kind of ways to gaze upon the Lord, the every moment, holy liturgies, the, the music, any others as you're a parent of young kids that the as we go sort of ways, Deuteronomy, as you walk and talk, how do you gaze? I think it's being, I'm learning as a mom to be present with yes. my kids to just answer the questions as they come. You know, mine mm-hmm. most often come in the car. Um, John Mark right. happens to never be there. And like, you know, I'm like driving them in the car line or to ballet or whatever it is. And I think if I can stop gazing at a lot of other things, I can be present yeah. with my kids to answer their questions as they come and to mm-hmm. be able to help them process life through a biblical world and life view. So yeah. that's one thing I'm just learning is how to be present and talk about those things as well as to have yeah. just regular time in God's word with them, whether yeah. that's in the night or the morning. And as a family, we're still trying to figure out oh. when that works best, but um, trying to yes. put God's word before them and even engaging what they learn as they come home from Sunday school or yeah. things just to ask a couple of questions of what they took away and what they talked about is helpful to get that conversation yeah. going in your home. Yeah, it is. The conversations that come home from Sunday school or youth group or uh, VBS or nursery, wherever they were at the church, you know, the wrong question is how was Sunday school? The better question is what did you learn? In right. What did you talk <laughs> about? Because how was Sunday school? You're going to get good or bad. Right. Um one word, but to, to hear that, you know, Sunday lunch is a great place to process the preached word. Um, 
and the word that you maybe heard in Sunday school? I think that what did you learn is such a helpful question when our tendency is to evaluate it by what we thought of it. You yeah, know? And that's so that's right. a good, yeah. it's a good practice. What y'all think to, of the sermon? Yeah. Like, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> we liked it or we didn't like yes, it, but yeah. it's, a, it's a helpful thought to think about how we, even as adults, mm-hmm. engage that. What do we take away? What do we learn from that? Yeah. And we're going to be, uh, I think by the fall, hopefully we're going to be putting into the bulletin as well with the sermon outline. And, you know, we have a link to the sermon discussion questions, um, the QR codes there, but also just three questions to ask after you hear a sermon mm. is repent, believe and fight. Mm. Uh, how did this sermon lead me to particularly repent? How did this sermon deepen a particular belief? And how is the sermon calling me to fight? for obedience. Mm. You know, those are, those are great talking points. Those are great journaling. Those are gazing at the beauty of the Lord and applying that to our life. Um, we've talked a lot lot about families, um, (laughs) seeds of family worship. I don't know if you, have you ever heard those? I have not heard. I know of them, but haven't listened to them. You know, finding not awful cheesy stuff for your kids, but like those songs, there's really catchy music and they repeat the scripture over and over we turn that on right now. Our kids could sing those songs and it's all scripture. Yeah. So finding fun, creative ways. There's a um, slugs and bugs. Yes. Are you familiar with them? And yes. they have a lot of scripture put to music. They also have just some fun, random songs kind of thrown in there as well. But I mean, I can still remember I grew up in the eighties and nineties and there was a GT and the Halo Express. I don't know if you remember them, but anyways, they told these stories and had scripture put to music yeah. and I can still sing the yeah. songs that yeah. I learned, you know, as an eight and nine year old little girl. And so it's not in vain putting that music, yeah. I think in front of them. Do you have any particular, um, authors that you read that help you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? One thing, I, one person that I really have loved I mentioned in our women's Bible study last week that I loved John Piper in college. Um, and uh-huh. I've come back, I have took a long break and have come back to him. He kind of really holds up the majesty of yeah. God very yeah. well yeah. Um, before me. And then the other authors that I love are any of the counselors up from CCEF, the, yes. you know, David Paulson and Ed Welch and some of those helping to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, but then think about my life Mm-hmm. through God's character and mm-hmm. um, through who he is and what he's doing in the world. Yeah, that's great. And um, another thing that's been helpful for us to consider the beauty of the Lord and the truth is the Bible project. Um, you can watch a Bible project video in five minutes on the holiness of God, or you could watch it on Shalom, or you could watch um, an overview of the book of Mark in six minutes with your kids in a way that's understandable. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can actually print out the cartooned sheet that documents the whole book for everybody. And so tool, you know, find ways and, and it's got to keep and particularly when we're talking about family, you got to keep it multiple. You got to try a million things. We've never skinned the cat on family devotions, but you got to just keep trying. Right. Um, so, Thank you for uh, talking to us about dwelling in the house of the Lord to gaze upon his beauty. I think one thing uh, that's wonderful is the Holy Spirit's inside of us. We are, as he says, the temple. Mm. We don't have to go to the temple to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Uh, We can do it as we go, including in God's world. Um, 
you know, as you go about in nature and in the world, helping people to see the glory of God. I don't know if that's things that you're able to connect with. I know you got some nature, nature loving kids, nature loving kids. And we live in a wonderful place to be able to just (sighs) teach ourselves even intentionally to stop and notice what we see and how Mm -hmm. we see God's glory displayed and what he's made as we drive down the mountain. Yeah. I think you just said it. The word there is intentional. Uh, our gaze will be redirected if we're not intentional to mm. all kinds of things. And so, well, thanks Caroline for having this conversation with us about how do we dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon his beauty regularly amidst all the distractions and burdens in our lives and world. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. We hope you'll join us for future episodes of pillar and ground. We thank you for joining us for this episode of pillar and ground questions.